welcome to Shop Talk, The Real Estate Show. I'm John Forche, and joining me on this episode is Stephen Weibel. Stephen has a background in real estate sales, house flipping, and property management. Today, he's the Director of Business Development at Credit Suite, where he advises business owners on how to build and use business credit. All right, Steve, well, thank you for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. It's great to have you here. So let's just start with how did you get into real estate? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I actually came out of the manufacturing world, John. I, oh, wow. uh, I, I grew up in the printing industry back in the old days before we had all this digital printing. Uh, my father had a printing company in his basement that I eventually worked from. Anyhow, I, so I learned the printing industry. His father was in it and he was great at it. And my dad got mad at me one day and I, and vice versa, and I quit. Now, when you only have worked for your father, I was 18. Uh, you don't know where to go. Who's going to hire you. You're certainly not going to get a good reference when you quit. So yeah. I joined, the, I joined the Marine Corps because <laughs> they didn't want a reference. Uh, anyhow, did my time in there, got back out, asked for my job back, uh, was told no, because he'd already hired somebody. And that's, that's my father's integrity coming through. He hired somebody to replace me. Uh, so I said, let me borrow a suit in your car. Let's see if I can sell. So long story short, uh, I ended up more than doubling the business. I ended up leaving and starting my own company, built that up with a partner and sold that company. Uh, got a non-compete and then I had to decide what I wanted to do at the age, ripe old age of 27. Wow. Uh, I'm in my 50s now. So my brother happened to own a couple of investment properties in Camden, New Jersey. And he said, hey, you might want to look at this. So we looked at it and we agreed that it was a good idea to go ahead and move forward with that. And we bought our first property. Remember, matter we bought 35 properties, one shot. First deal. <laughs> now we had to figure out where to get the money. <laughs> so uh, long story short, we ended up selling 18 of those properties, which covered the cost of the entire 35. And, and then we just took off from there. What we realized uh, pretty early on was that we needed to get our license. Yeah. One of us needed to get our license. So my brother got his real estate license uh, and we used that. We leveraged his his license to get more deals, to get commissions back. You, you know the story. Uh, and at one point, I was walking out of a $300,000 home, and this was back in the, in the late 90s. So nice home. And I realized I couldn't buy it. I'm, I'm halfway down their sidewalk, and I went, hey, knucklehead, had you had your license, they would have listed with you. And that's a $9,000 commission, right? 18 if I double-end it. Yeah. So I immediately went to school. <laughs> I immediately went to school, got my license. Uh, and matter of fact, our first year, we sold over 115 properties as, as, as a team, my brother and I. Uh, we were consistently top five in the state of New Jersey for Remax. Um, and then I moved to Florida. The crash happened, moved to Florida. So anyway, so I have a, that, that's how I ended up in real estate. It was yeah. kind of an accident. And then getting my license was an accident and so on and so on. It's funny to me how many people have an answer similar to that, where it's just like, oh, I just kind of happened into it. You know, I just it's a thing I decided to try out and then it went well. So how did you, you and your brother went from no properties to 35? How did you do that? How'd you get 35 properties? Uh, this is going to blow some people's minds. Uh, we were looking in the newspaper and for those of you who don't know what a newspaper is, it used to come <laughs> to your house. <laughs> it was printed on a piece of paper. Uh, anyhow, we were looking in the, in the, you know, the, the, the one ads and, you know, homes for sale. And we're looking and we see somebody selling three properties for, I believe it was 90,000 back then. They were row homes. Yeah. Uh, so we reached out, called, set an appointment, went to look at the properties, kind of liked what we saw and said, I, I let, flat out asked them, do you have any more? 
<laughs> and they said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, we have 35 or th- it might've been 36. Uh, went and looked at all of them. Some were bored up, some were rented. It was, it was a hodgepodge. And I said, all right, well, you want 30,000 each. Would you take uh, 11, five? And they said, we'll get back to you. And the next day they said, yeah, we'll take it. Wow. I'm like, great. Here's a thousand dollars. Now I got to go find $350,000. Um, and I closed it. And ironically, those gentlemen, because we performed, gave us an opportunity to buy a $4 million apartment complex from them five years later that we flipped for five and a half, five and a half million. Wow. Uh, because we performed on the first deal. So that's how we ended, kind of ended up with our first set of properties. And then once yeah. we learned, and if you've ever rehabbed row homes, uh, in one area, you get a real, a real feel for the cost to rehab a property because they're almost all identical, mm-hmm. right? So it almost became simple math. I'd walk in a house I know was going to cost me twenty eight thousand nine hundred dollars to rehab it just based on what I saw, and it just became really, really easy. Wow! So, what is the secret to home flipping? Uh, well, then it was one know your math. Yeah. And, and two, and I'm going to tell you, somebody told me this a long time ago, you don't make your money when you buy pro- or when you sell properties, you make it when you buy them. That okay. was the secret. So uh, what the danger was, anybody who survived 08 and lived through the 03, 04, 05, 06 madness was people were buying properties just to buy them. Yeah. Like it got that they were like, well, it doesn't matter what I pay. It's going to be worth more anyway. So I, I began losing more and more deals because I was trying to stick to my guns. No, I know what it's worth retail. I know what it's going to be to rehab it. And then I even fell into that. I've had when the market crashed, I had 35 properties under construction. Now I'm in the suburbs though, and they're hundred plus thousand dollar homes or more cost, hopefully retail 250. And next thing you know, they're all worth 50. So Ouch. it's, yeah, yeah. It's a look, I, I guess I'm the only one that happened to, I'm sure <laughs> nobody else went through that. Nope. Just you. <laughs> Just me, um, oh, but it, it was a great lesson because I immediately thought back to what that gentleman had told me. You make your money when you buy it. Yeah, makes sense. So I made the mistake of losing sight of that and just buying just to buy, right? Mm-hmm. Greed is really what did it. Uh, so I would never do that again. Never, never, never. What do you think of all these uh, like HGTV shows where you know they they their whole thing is home flipping? Um, I can tell you for a fact that I know somebody very, very close to me that was on one of those. Uh, and it's complete. Uh, I can't say it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not factual. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get that. Um, it's, 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 I mean, literally it's staged. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, you know, the, uh, the fix it or, or what is it? Uh, list it flip, sell it or list it. I don't know. Whatever. All Some those. combination of those words. Yeah. 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 I had, I had a family member that was on one of those and the house was already pre-bought. It was done. The decision was made. And then they went through the whole act of looking at properties. Yeah. They, didn't want. Yeah. they already owned the house. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't watch any of those shows. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, I used to work on reality shows and I mean, they're all, they're all I, like I have that. to tell you, if you don't mind, I know it's a short podcast, but I have to give you a, a little bit of an anecdote. I, I, when I was selling homes, I met a, a woman and I recognized her immediately. Back in the day, you know, the very first reality show was The Survivor. Yeah. Right? So I met, and I was, my wife and I were huge fans. So I met her and I saw her house and I realized who she was and I kind of naturally had to talk to her. And then she told me that all of the competitions were staged. And I lost complete faith in everything at that point. I'd never watched the show again. Now she said they ran real competitions. Yeah. Um, and, but then the winner would be the winner and then they would restage it. So that there was drama involved. And I went, all right, I'm done. 
I'm finished. So reality so shows. Yep. I'm like, once I found out reality shows weren't reality shows, I was like, all right, bring back prices. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The problem is they're just so cheap, you know? Yeah. It's so yeah. easy to do. Uh, right. So anyway, sorry about that. That's, no, that's, off of the <laughs> that's fine. Okay. So you've also uh, managed a lot of properties. I did. I had a property management company um, and I had construction. I had, you know, obviously the real estate agent business. I had the flipping business. Uh, I had the wholesale business. Um, I've done it all. At one point I sold the management company just because it just made sense for me not to manage all these properties. It was just taking up to, honestly, I was tired of the phone calls about my smoke detector at two o'clock in the morning. Um, so if anything, any of you who are real estate agents out there, if you want to get into the property management business, by all means, because there is money in it, but God bless you. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like a lot of micromanagement. Yeah, it really is because you have to deal with complaints and you have to deal with them in, in a professional manner, in a caring yeah. manner. Uh, and sometimes you really just want to scream. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it takes a certain type of person. I'm a type A. I am not a good manager when it comes to that. Uh, my brother is awesome at it. He, he's, he's more of a huggy type person. So he was great. My dad was good with that too. I was a nightmare. <laughs> I was like, I, you know, listen, you're, it's beeping because you need batteries. Go to the store and buy batteries and put it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but it is, it is a, it was a very profitable business. Yeah. Very profitable. And today you do a lot of speaking about building business credit. So yes. That's a great segue because I yeah. was, I, I had built business credit for all of my businesses. Uh, and let me explain what business credit is because people get very confused about what it is. Yeah. They think business credit means they're just going to get a line of credit for their business. It's not what it is. If you were in the manufacturing world, you would understand that entire world operates on business credit. And business credit is credit that other companies or lenders will give to your business that's not tied to you personally. So in the manufacturing world, in the printing world, I had to buy paper on credit. I had to buy ink on credit I, because I was in turn manufacturing something and giving it to, let's say, Blue Cross Blue Shield on credit. And they had to pay me in 30, 60, 90 days. So that whole world operates that way and almost all manufacturing does. The problem is that this isn't taught anywhere. So you get people who go into business like real estate agents. And yes, you truly are in business for yourself. You're not an employee. Uh, you can utilize that same philosophy for your business. And why, why real estate agents don't is beyond me. For example, uh, whenever I talk to, and I talk to real estate agents all the time, my brother's still one, my sister, I mean, we're still all agents. Uh, hey, that car you're driving, did you buy that? Well, yes, I did. Why? Why didn't you buy it in the company name? Why did you sign for that personally? You realize that because you're in this business, you understand the utilization it directly affects your credit score, uh, the number of inquiries, how much debt you have, your debt to income ratio. So why not put what you can on the business? Gas cards, visas, MasterCards, marketing money, buying computers, driving your car. You know, think of all the things that we spend as real estate agents, right? Yeah. Why would you want to use any of your own personal credit to pay any of that, even if you're somebody who likes to pay it off every month, which I get, then when it comes time for tax time, now you got to go digging through, figure out what was a business expense, what wasn't. Well, if it's all on the business, it's easy, right? You just take all those statements and you just hand them to your accountant. I'd have my taxes filed within 30 minutes. It was very easy so to do. what about something like your car? I mean, you're using it for your business, but it's also, what if that's your main personal mode of travel? 
Absolutely. I understand that. So what I would do, and, and here's how it works from an accounting point of view, and I certainly I'm not an accountant and I'm not a tax attorney, yep. so you know, bear with me, but I would still buy it in the business name, particularly if more than 50% of the miles are being done for business. And if you're a real estate agent, I guarantee you that's the mm-hmm. case. So I would buy it in the business name. I would have the business sign for it. So it's not on me personally. And then as a, as an employee of my business, I would get charged 1099 for the miles that I drove it. Right. So if you're one of those people that just keeps track of all your miles and whatnot. um, But to me, the better move would be have that for the business buy a beater car that you have for you personally that you may never drive. (laughs) But that's what I would do. I would have two separate cars. Like in my family, in my household, we had two cars. So my car was in the business name. My wife's car was in personal and we drove that for personal. Hmm. Right. So the entire car could be written off because it was all for business all the gas that went into it, the insurance that went into it. I mean, if you really think about it, one of the biggest issues that real estate agents run into, especially once you are beginning to become successful because you're reinvesting is at the end of the year, you get that 1099, you have a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now it's Panicsville. Felt good getting that money. And now you're like, Oh my goodness. And uh-huh. by the way, guilty. I've been there. I had a payment arrangement with the IRS because it just, it happens. Um, so if you plan in advance and make sure your business expenses all of your business expenses are tied to your business. You're doing a couple of things. You're keeping your personal credit high. Uh, so if you do end up with that big IRS bill, maybe you can go get a you know personal line of credit to pay it. I hate to see you do that. But also, uh, it's really easy to manage uh, your expense, looking for your expenses. I knew my entire car payment was on my business. I knew all those gas cards that I had, the gas cards I had are all against the business. When I bought my new computers, any of the marketing I did, it just made it easy. But more importantly, I'm going to tell you, if you protect your personal credit, opportunities come up. And I'm going to tell you, I I feel bad for real estate agents because how many times as an agent have you been showing a house to somebody and thought to yourself, man, I should buy this. What a great deal. Mm -hmm. Right? But you can't because maybe your your credit score is not because you're, you for for any number of reasons. Well, I had this happen to me. I had a $300,000 apartment building. I had 20 minutes to make a decision on but my credit score was so high, I've been protecting it, that I was able to make that decision, buy that property and flip it for $1.2 million. Wow. I, I mean, it took me a year to do it between, you know, buying it, cleaning it out, repairing it. But that's really the reason uh, that you want to protect your personal credit because when those opportunities come up, don't call your best client. Do it yourself. <laughs> put, that, yeah. put that money in your pocket. Or better yet, go into partners with your best client who understands rehabbing or any other opportunities that come up. And that's really uh, the whole point of this. Any business owner who uses their personal credit to run their business is just setting themselves up to never be able to grow. That's the reality of it. So how does somebody start building up business credit? It's a great question. First thing we're gonna talk about is credibility. And what I mean by credibility is there in today's day and age, 50% of, of credit applications are fraudulent, 50%. Wow. Mind blowing, right? So the banks had to come up with a way and lenders and creditors had to come up with a way to sift through those fraudulent applications without using man hours. You can imagine the man hours involved that they had to look at every single application. So they set up artificial intelligence. And John, it's happened to you, I'm sure. Have you ever applied for a credit card online? Yeah. Of course, you get an instant answer. You know nobody actually looked at that application, right? Right. 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 Artificial intelligence made a decision based on certain points, factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, in business credit, the same thing happens, but they're looking for things that we can control. 
and the banks are not going to share this information with you because then they, you could be a fraudulent application. They don't want you to know. One of the things they're going to look for is your email. And I see this all the time. And by the way, guilty, stephensellshomes at gmail.com. That's pretty good email, right? Not bad. Sure. Wrong. Automatic denial. Automatic really? denial. Because that's a free email. A legitimate business owner wouldn't use a free email. email. They would use something like this, info at creditsuite.com. Or in my case, info at soldin73days.com. Hmm. Because then you right? own the domain. You got it. So the, because artificial intelligence is checking that, it's looking up your website. It's going to see your website yeah. in a flash. Uh, it's looking for your phone number. Almost every real estate agent I know gives out their business phone number as their cell phone. Yeah. Right? Well, that's an automatic denial. Here's why. Back in my day, and I think you're younger than me, <laughs> probably a lot <laughs> younger than me, I used, to, I used to pick up the phone and, pick, and dial 411 and ask for Joe's Pizza, Tom's Garage, whatever you were looking for. Yeah. And had that directory assistance that would help you. Unfortunately, that still exists today. That's still around today. And it's the very first thing artificial intelligence checks to see if you're listed. If you're not, you're not a legitimate business, denied. Hmm. Remember, they're looking for fraud. So they're not saying that you're not lendable. They're just trying to eliminate these applications. Right. So the problem is you can't list a cell phone. Uh, you have to use a virtual phone number or a real phone on your desk. Uh, a virtual phone number, I know everybody out there is thinking, oh, great, I have a Google number, yeah. right? Because I have one too. Matter of fact, my real estate signs still have my Google number on them. Uh, the problem is Google owns that number. You don't. You're not paying for it. It's free. They can pull it from you. It's not listable. Hmm. But if you go to somebody like Ring Central or Freedom Voice or Grasshopper, where you actually have to pay $29 a month or whatever the number is, forward to your cell phone, that's a legitimate business number and that can be listed with the National 411 database. So there's another example. That's just two. And I'll bet you 90% of your listeners failed already. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, not, that, that's, that's no reflection on your listeners. That's 90% sure. of business owners in general. Well, and I think it goes against how most business owners, especially real estate agents, how they're thinking of how they want to appear to their clients. They want to be approachable. They want to be, you know, I'm not some stuffy salesman. I look at me, I've got my cell phone listed right here. You can catch me day or night. So, so what you're saying, I mean, it may go against how they're viewing it for their clients, but I think that's also what you're saying is that business credit, you need to look at it differently. Right. Well, and here's the thing. Look, we're not saying don't give out your cell phone. We're mm -hmm. saying when you fill out a credit application, cell phone goes under cell phone. Business yeah. number is a real legitimate business number. Sure. Right. So yeah. I may give you my Stephen sells homes at Gmail because that's the one I check the most. But if I was putting a credit application, the info at Mm-hmm. Right. And these are just two of 125 points that lenders look for. Two. Wow. Um, we can go into, when we talk about landlords, one of the, one of the favorite addresses landlords will use is a PO box because they want to hide who they are, where they live. Makes sure. sense. Unfortunately, that's an automatic denial. And hmm. if you look at it this way, I, you know, a little bit of an anecdote again, uh, I want to borrow 10,000 from you, John, and you give me a credit application and I put down, uh, I have a business at yahoo.com is my email. My phone number is a throwaway cell phone and my address is a PO box. How comfortable are you going to be giving me 10 grand? Yeah, it seems like you don't exist. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, uh, this guy's going to be gone five minutes after <laughs> yeah. he gets the money, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but would you feel better if it was a legitimate business phone number? I was listed with the now, you could dial 411, you've got a legitimate email address, uh, and, and my address is a, let's say, a virtual office or a real commercial building, or even my home, at least you could find me. Yeah. 
right? Well, unfortunately, they are the only three things that a business owner can put on an application that will pass. Hmm. A commercial building, that's yours, not an office in the basement of your real estate office, uh, a, a virtual office, or your home address. And your home address is fine. It's like getting a C in English. You'll still pass. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Everything else from there fails. Yeah. So these, these are some things. And of course, we teach all this at our website. Can I mention our website? Absolutely. All right. If you go to creditsuite.com on the front page, just opt in. We can give you a business credit building guide. These are just three little things that we talk about. If, if this was a video, I would share with you my fundability factors. And it's a huge wheel. And it's just all these different beta or bullet points, uh, data points, excuse me, that they're looking for. And it sounds complicated, but ironically, once you're set up credibly or you know, your fundability factors set up, then it becomes easy. Now yeah. you're starting to get credit with places like Office Depot, Home Depot if you're, if you're an investor, Lowe's, you're getting gas cards, you're getting vehicle finance, you're getting, a, you're getting a Visa, a MasterCard. You're getting the type of things you can use for your business that's not tied to you personally. And I'll tell you, this is a complete game changer for real estate agents. Complete game changer. Yeah. I mean, all their expenses are, are, and there are a lot of them. Don't let people kid you. If you're just starting in the business, <laughs> it's not free to do real estate. It costs yeah. money. It's a business and you have to look at it like it's a business. You're going to spend money on marketing. You're going to spend money on your cell phone, which by the way, should not be in your name, should be in your business name, mm -hmm. right? Sprint gives business credit. They will give you phones, iPads, you name it in the business name. So all of these little things, nobody teaches just yeah. like they don't teach accounting in high school anymore. Yeah. I mean, I learned how to fill out a checkbook in high school. They don't do that anymore. After the break, we discuss how you can repair bad credit. You're here listening to a real estate podcast, but maybe you're not even in the industry yet. Maybe you don't have your license, or maybe you're tuning in to see what all the fuss is about and whether this is the career change you need. Regardless of where you're at in your journey, if you're looking for the most convenient real estate courses, you found them. Visit theceshop.com and use promo code SHOPTALK for 25% off any of our online courses. Most frustrating thing for me coming out of college was just, there's no, there's no kind of like personal finance class, you know? There's nothing to teach you how credit cards work, how you should use them, things like this with building credit. Um, I mean, honestly, so far what you're saying, it sounds a lot like search engine optimization, which is something everyone should be doing on the internet to, you know, cause Google sort of runs the world now. And if your website, if your internet presence isn't built to Google's liking, then you're a ghost. And so a lot of this is, it should be common sense, you know, like the PO box and having an actual email address that you own. Um, so what do people do once they have all these things? Once they're creditable, Okay, perfect. That's a great question. So you've got two decisions at this point. You can move forward without personally guaranteeing anything, or you can take a, court, a, short, uh, a shortcut and begin personally guaranteeing some of your early business credit. Because the problem hmm. with being new, quote unquote, for, for business credit is the same problem is when you're 18 years old, you go for your first credit card, right? Yeah. You have no profile. Okay. So you're going to start off with either like in, in the, in the personal world, you started off with somebody co-signing or, or maybe a secure credit card in business credit. You'll get terms of net 30 with, with places like Quill, Q U I L.com. They sell office supplies, or maybe you'll get credit where you'll get a, a net seven gas card. We have seven days to pay the bill. Okay. You're going to get credit. That's not fun. It's just not. However, it's important. It's the foundation to your home, right? You wouldn't build a house without putting down that foundation. Yeah. 
So that's the foundation. Once you're done with the foundation, you've got enough trade lines reporting on your DMB and your Experian and DMB for those of you listening is Dun & Bradstreet. You can go to dnb.com and get your free Dun & Bradstreet number, which you need to have. Hmm. It's free. Don't let them sell you anything, by the way. Uh, you, you don't need it. So once you have that set up and you have those numbers, these creditors will begin reporting to those those credit reporting agencies, those business credit reporting agencies. Uh, and then once you have enough reporting, you can move on to the next tier and it's store credit. And store credit is exactly what it sounds like. It's credit with stores. Hmm. Again, Office Depot, Home Depot, Lowe's, uh, you pick a store. I don't know, Saks Fifth Avenue. They, they offer business credit. Hmm. Right. Think about gifts for your clients. Right. I had a, a client who's an accountant who I didn't know Saks offered this. She went to Saks Fifth Avenue, applied for business credit, got approved because she had enough trade lines reporting and bought all her clients gifts from Saks Fifth Avenue on business credit. Wow. Right? Amazing. Uh, so almost all major stores offer it. Everything from Walmart, Sam's Club. Matter of fact, speaking of Walmart, Walmart's entire business model is based on business credit. Anything you buy from Walmart, they haven't paid for yet. They get credit from other businesses to put their products on their shelf. You buy it, they take your money and they eventually pay those. That's, that is business credit. Wow. Right? So once you have enough of that reporting, then you can get the fleet credit cards, then you get vehicle finance, and it just goes on and on and on. And what's really great about this, John, and anybody with good personal credit on, out there is gonna understand this and get it immediately. If you have great personal credit, you can probably go to your mailbox three times a week with a credit card offer or a loan offer. Right? Mm-hmm. Shows up in your mailbox. You didn't ask for it, it just shows up. Now, I always ask the same question. How did they know to send that to you, John, and not to me as your next door neighbor? Because well, they're looking at credit scores. Well, they're not looking at credit scores. That would be illegal. Okay. But what they do is they buy that data of scores between sure. okay. 680 and 750 and this zip code with it, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Right. So they're buying data, which is yeah. basically all credit reporting agencies are. They're just data whores. I mean, downs yep. <laughs> or both, maybe both. <laughs> um, <laughs> so don't you think the same exact thing happens in the commercial credit world? Right? I would imagine it does. You build a strong business credit. Sure. Me as a lender, as a commercial lender, if I wanted to find new customers, I wouldn't, I would buy data from DMB and or experience. I want people with 15 to 25 trade lines reporting, been in business two years. I'm going to mail them right? Very focused mailings. Yeah. Same thing happens. So now what's, what you see happen is instead of you chasing money, it turns, money starts chasing you, hmm. which is just a really cool feeling if you're a business owner. Now that sounds amazing. Yeah. It real, it, 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 and what's really great about it is, well, not great. What, what is important about it is that if we do end up with another downturn and we will, sure. not, not when, <laughs> not if it's when, I mean, yeah. um, if things go bad and, you're, and your industry tanks a little bit and you're, and you're beginning to suffer financially, if you shut down your business the right way, you can walk away from all that debt. Free. Didn't affect you personally. Now, of course, I don't want anybody to do that, but if you, you don't want to fail to plan, mm -hmm. right? So otherwise you're planning to fail because it will happen. It does happen. And, and you want to make sure that your family's protected. Cause we all open our own businesses. We all go into our business for our own reasons. But the majority of the time I hear people say for freedom for my family. Well, you don't want to saddle your family with a half a million dollars in personal debt because the market crashed. Right. Guilty. I did it myself. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Yeah. So you, this was before you were, you found the, the gospel of building business credit. Well, Is that what you no, mean? 
No, no, I, I knew about it, but then as the market crashed, I decided, hey, you know what? I got a house with a lot of money. Uh, okay. Let me go ahead and borrow against it when I almost own outright. Yeah. Because this downturn can't last more than what, a year or two? Oops. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's so, a shame that it only happened to you. Yeah, I, you know, I, I always feel like I'm the dumbest person in the world. I'm the only person that got smacked. <laughs> um, what I should have done is borrow all that money against my house, forgot the business, came to Florida and bought everything that was available at that point. <laughs> yeah. I'd be, you and I wouldn't be talking today unless I was sitting <laughs> on a beach somewhere. Uh, anyhow, so if what I'm saying makes sense, uh, and it should make sense if you own your own business, and I don't care, uh, again, back to real estate agents, if, if we have a lot of real estate agent listeners, mm -hmm. you are in business for yourself. Unless you're being paid a salary, you are in business for yourself. Absolutely. So treat it as such. Build your business credit profile. Build your business credit because at some point, uh, if you have the talent and the willingness and the ability to expand, you're going to end up with your own team and maybe your own office. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if when that office opens up, you already have a huge business credit profile and you can buy that building. You can buy all the computers you need. I mean, just think about the future, not just today. Yeah. It's great advice. I think a lot of our listeners are probably at that early stage and they're thinking about where can they go with this? So great place to start. Everybody should start there. Matter of fact, the biggest issue we run into is business owners who have been in business. We have to give them that mind shift. They have to go back and correct some things they've been doing for years and years and years and years. Yeah. But ironically, and this is straight from a business valuation company. This is not just us spouting, you know, what we want to say. If your business has a business credit profile, it adds a huge amount of value to the value of the business. Sure. I mean, because what you're saying is you're separating business credit from your personal finances. So if the business, if you end up selling it, the business credit goes with the business. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I use the barbershop mentality. Two barbershops, same clientele, same street, same building, same volume, everything's same, but this one has $300,000 in credit available to it. Which one's worth more? Which one would you buy? The one with the credit. Right, exactly. So if you're just starting out today, that's fine. Work on it now because five years from now, if you hadn't, you're going to go, oh, I wish I had. Yeah. It really makes a difference. So if a, say you're going to a bank for a loan and the bank says no, where does that leave you? Well, one, you want to know why the bank said no. And unfortunately in the commercial credit world, they usually don't tell you. They mm. say, come back in six months and play again. The odds are it's probably one of those credibility issues. Yeah. Uh, and they're not going to tell you about it. And then the second problem is, and I want to be real clear about this to your listeners. <clears throat> business credit is not going to get you a cash loan by itself. Never going to happen. Don't think about buying houses with business credit. Don't think about, I'm going to get a $500,000 credit line. Not going to happen without them looking at you personally. Because you're talking about FDIC insured. There are certain boxes that you have to fit in. Yep. However, I will tell you, it will change whether or not you get approved. For example, I had someone who owned um, ice cream shop and a vegetable stand. Ice cream for the summer, obviously vegetable stand for the winter. Applied for an SBA loan, 50000 was denied, had good personal credit, decent cash flow. Went through our program, built up his business credit profile, went back nine months later, I think it was nine months, reapplied, got an automated $100,000 approval. His credit hadn't changed, his cash flow hadn't changed. What changed? $100,000 approval. But here's what's crazy. When he went in for the closing and filled all the documents out, the loan officer who he had never met, it was all you know, over the internet, yeah. said, I don't understand how you got an approval 
when you were just denied and I don't see anything changing. And he laughed because he knew. So they didn't even teach the loan officer. <laughs> Think about that. They don't even teach the loan officer. Because if I could show you, there's a wheel. Uh, and the right side, right upper corner is all about personal credit. And then you get down below that. And it's about cash flow and profit loss and blah, blah, blah. And then the whole left side your business credit profile. So think about having a wheel and, you, and you've only got a quarter of it filled in. What does the bank have to look at? Just you. Yep. There's nothing else to hang their hat on. So they have to dive deeper and deeper into you. And that's when they start talking about debt to income yeah. and potential future earnings and things that you don't even want to think about because they have nothing else. There's nothing saying, hey, this is a solid company. There's nothing. Hmm. As a matter of fact, it's even worse than that, John. If I pulled your business credit report right now, and I would never do that to embarrass you, if you have nothing reporting, if you have nothing reporting, which means you've not done anything wrong, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing bad, nothing good, nothing. It's going to say that they predict you would be bankrupt in the next 12 months. Just based on averages? Just, just, just based on you have nothing reporting and based on their knowledge of people in business with nothing reporting, they're going to give you what's called a 28 IntelliScore. 28 means a 20 with a, with a risk factor of six, which is high, like the end of the scale. So 28 is super low. You want to be in the 90s and a risk factor of six, which is super high for risk. Yet, at one trade line, you that 28 will shoot up into the 80s, 70s and 80s, and your risk factor will go from six down to three or two or even one. Hmm. So it's not like personal credit where you have nothing reporting, you have no score. In business credit, nothing reporting, they give you a bad score automatically. Wow. So even those who are like, eh, I don't know if I need business credit, guess what? If I pulled your business credit report, it's going to tell me that you're probably going out of business. Now, be a lender and look at that score. Mm-hmm. Crazy, right? So what can someone do if they've attempted to build up good business credit, but it has not gone well? If they have a terrible business credit? Oh, so they just have a bad profile and it's legit. They just didn't pay their bills? Mm-hmm. It depends on how many trade lines it is. If it's one or two, you can build around that. In other words, the good will outweigh the bad. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're somebody, I hate to use this term, but I did when I was in real estate. If you're a credit criminal, <laughs> you just never paid your bills. Yeah. And you've got 50, 20 trade lines, all of them bad. I don't know how you got the 20 to begin with. Um, but yeah, you're pretty much done. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up. Because the problem with business credit is it's disputable. You can certainly, if it's not yours, it's disputable and removable. But if DMB thinks you've committed fraud in any fashion, like buying trade lines, um, using a shelf corporation, which I see way too many times, people buy shelf corporations, uh, aged corporations, they call them now, uh, DMB will mark your file as fraud and it can never be removed. Wow. Never be removed. So, with that being tied to the business, couldn't somebody, if they have just run their business credit into the ground on that business, couldn't they just, you know, get rid of that one, start up a new business, start a new business credit? Absolutely. That's what we recommend. I don't recommend you lose your time and grade because time in business is important to creditors, right? Because obviously, as you know, most businesses go out of business in the first five years. Yeah. So the longer you get, the closer you get to that five years, the better you look. Um, so I never recommend people throwing corporations away, but if it's wrecked, my favorite is, hey, I have bad business credit. How long have you been in business? Nine months. Uh, start over. <laughs> You're only nine months in business. And by yeah. the way, for those of you who think you started your business two years ago, but you just opened your business bank account yesterday, as far as lenders are concerned, you opened your business yesterday. 
So if you're running your business through your personal account, I know a lot of real estate agents do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not in business as far as lenders are concerned. Now, the caveat being every state has different rules. I'm licensed in New Jersey and in Florida. New Jersey, I cannot be a corporation. I have to be me as an individual. Florida, I can be a corporation, Stephen Weibel, PA. Hmm. So everything ran through my business checking account. New Jersey, it had to be personal unless I was a broker and opened my own company. So I understand that every business is, every state's going to be different. Your state's going to have its own rules. Understand the rules, talk to your broker to make sure. But if you can be licensed as a corporation, do it. Do it. So you can run it like a business. Yeah, well, I only know that because I happen to be licensed in two different states and two different sets of rules. Yeah. So in in, in Pennsylvania, I believe you can also be a corporation as well. It never fails to amaze me how different state laws can vary. Uh, It's it's something we we battle all the time here because we we do, you know, pre-licensing and continuing education across the country. And a rule in one state can be just vastly different from the state right next to them. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, Philadelphia, New Jersey, you know, I'm from South Jersey. So the Pennsylvania, New Jersey is kind of one market, right? Yeah. It's one TV market. Uh, my brother was licensed in both. And just it was so much tougher to pass in New Jersey than it was in Pennsylvania. And when I got to Florida, I called it the Wild West. I'm like, are you kidding yeah. me? This, this is easy. This is, took, me, took me three minutes. Yep. I, got into, I got into class and went, I, was, I felt like I should be teaching the class. <laughs> um, it was so easy because you could pretty much do anything. I mean, I'm yeah. being facetious, obviously, but there are rules. But every state's different. Um, now that I've lived here a long time and I understand why the rules are shut the way they are, it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, every, every state's different. So not every state's going to allow you to be a company. Uh, there are ways around that. Talk to your accountant. You can start a company, maybe real estate management, whatever, and do something different. But again, you, I, I don't want to give advice because every state is so mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Lots of stuff, huh? That's a lot, that's a lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> this is my last question. It's when I ask of all my guests, if you could go back to the beginning of your career and change one thing, what would it be? Oh, I already know the answer. I wouldn't refi my house. Oh, Yeah. I would not have refied my house. I'd have left it alone. I'd have, I'd have wrote it down. I'd have suffered through, you know, whatever I had to suffer through uh, because it recovered. Hmm. You know, it's funny. Uh, one of the things I like to play with now is day trading stocks. And I have a rule. What goes down will go up. What goes up will come down. Uh, I didn't approach real estate that way. That was my mistake. I thought it would end in turn, and it did. I just thought it would end on my time when I yeah. wanted it to end. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I learned my lesson. The second lesson is when there's blood in the street, buy real estate. And what I mean by that is when the market crashed, when I saw it coming, what I should have done is liquidated immediately and even maybe refied my house, went to an area that had already crashed and Florida was one of the first ones to crash. Tampa yeah. area was one of the very first ones to crash. New Jersey was a little behind it. So I had some, some notice. I should have taken all my money, made it liquid, waited maybe a year or two, and then bought everything I could, I could buy. Because all the hedge funds did. They all came down here and I sold them a bunch of homes. Lots of, mm-hmm. over, over a thousand homes. Uh, and now those homes are worth five times what they paid for it. Jeez. Five times what they paid for it. So that's what I would, if I could go back in time, that's what I would do differently. Wow, great answer. All right, Steve. Well, if anyone wants to learn more about you or how they can build or repair their business credit, uh, where should they go? Just go to info at creditsuite.com. That's info at creditsuite, S-U-I-T-E. Or simply just go to creditsuite.com, download our free guide, get started, learn a little bit about the basics, do your research, check us out on YouTube. We give away a lot of free information. We're about helping every business owner. 
So, and, and certainly if you go to infocreditsuite.com and just ask for me, it'll get forwarded to me and I'd be happy to answer any of your questions. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's my pleasure, John. I really appreciate you having me on. That's it for this episode of Shop Talk. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, you can subscribe to us and leave us a review on your podcast player of choice. Join us next time for a detailed discussion about finances for real estate agents. Shop Talk is a production of the CE Shop. Thank you.